Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, welcome back for segment number two on this Thursday, August 5th of Lighting the Candle, A World That Works. <clears throat> we are having a remarkable conversation for your benefit and for ours. Believe you me, we get on these calls every single week so that the weekend is really a strong part of our life. <laughs> we have a ball uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So why are we here for you in particular today? Well, we have a, a remarkable guest, uh, Meredith Bell, and then one of our original founding uh, panelists, uh, Lisa Sheehan. And we've been batting around for the last half hour or so, some concepts having to do with, I don't know, I guess we could call it being better listeners, being present. And on, in the last half hour, Meredith, you posed a question in response to a question that I asked you about your experience and your writings with teamwork and how that might be transferable, you know, to communities and uh, churches and, and governments and school systems and that sort of thing. And the question that you came up with was for people at home to kind of adopt this mentality of how can I be more present and available and open to the person that I'm with right now in terms of being a good listener? Is that a good paraphrase? Yeah, that's, that's an excellent rephrase. <laughs> so the question is, what do you do? With whom do you do it? And how do we take that, that remarkable uh, stuff that you do and, and take it out to the world? I think a good place to start is with the people that are closest to us or that we have the most contact with, which would be our family members and the people that we work with, you know, on our team or extended teams that we need to work with. And one of the things in thinking about something very practical that every single person on this call could do is to frame a question in their mind and take this question to each of those people who are important to them. And the question is this, what is one thing I could do differently? that would allow your experience of working with me or living with me or interacting with me to be better? What's one thing I could do? Because we're not asking for criticism. We're looking at, to me, in a positive way. We all have blind spots. And I think recognizing there are things we do that can annoy, you know, or really tick off somebody else and we don't even know that we're doing it um, and so to be willing to ask that question and then stay open and this is the key is how do i receive that information whatever the person tells me 
I need to be willing to set aside my ego and thank them, whatever they say, thank them. And, and typically it'll be, oh, thank you for sharing that with me. I had no idea <laughs> that was causing problems for you. Because usually when they bring up something like that, it is something we're really unaware of. And it could be something really small that we simply need to become more cognizant of when we're interacting with that person. And I'll give you a, a real example. This goes back years ago. My two partners are Denny and Paula. And Denny and I taught communication skills, right, to organizations way back. <laughs> but he had a habit of interrupting Paula and me because he was either in a hurry or thought he knew what we were going to say, so he'd finish our sentence. And we all have had an individual or two who have done this to us. And we, you know, obviously didn't like it. We didn't appreciate it. We, we, um, we actually took offense to it, but we did also want to encourage and support him in changing his behavior. So we came up with a couple of things to be helpful. Now, in this case, he didn't ask us. We just thought, let us tell him what we'll do to help him out. And the first one was if we were in an in-person meeting, and he started to jump in, we just held up our hand like a stop sign. And that was his cue, whoops, I'm interrupting. And he'd catch himself because his intent was not to be disrespectful. You know, he really wanted us to, but sometimes maybe we took longer to get to the point than he thought was necessary. So that was one thing. And the other with interrupting, actually the three of us do it with each other all the time now. We all work remotely, we're in different states, we'll get on calls. And especially if we've got creative ideas flowing, one of us will jump in and the other person who was speaking simply says, I wasn't done yet, right? And so that is our cue to back off and let that person finish. Now, the key here is tone of voice, right? Because if we said, I wasn't done yet, that has a pushback you know, and, and it causes, a, it can escalate into an argument or defensiveness. Or the whereas, next line can be, oh, yes, you were. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so thinking of a way that you can say it that sounds natural to you. The other thing Paul and I did early on was simply say, please let me finish. And again, the tone of voice there is very important. You're just gently reminding the person not you know, sticking it in their face. <laughs> and I think that's a, a really important, what do I need in this moment? Because too often what happens is people get angry at the person who is interrupting. They take it personally and think, oh, they're being so disrespectful. Well, it, that probably is not the person's intent. But this is where our history with someone can kick in and why it's so important to come to a conversation fresh. Because if we have all these judgments and stories that we're holding about this individual, then that influences how we react to them in the moment. And instead, if we can, you know, just kind of be an open slate with this person and simply take a fresh perspective, we don't tend to get our own feelings and emotions wrapped around the axle when they say something, we just give them the benefit of the doubt and assume, okay, they just forgot in the moment and interrupted, you know, or did something, whatever it is. 
And I think that that's an important attitude to carry into any conversation and interactions, even say in a meeting environment, when we've got multiple people and we, we need to you know, catch ourselves. Am I tuning out this person when they speak versus giving them the same space I give others? It, it's, it's this monitoring our own awareness of how am I being in this moment? And am I being my best self? And in terms of what I'm bringing to this conversation, to this person, to these interactions, so that we, we get the result we're looking for. I think that's the key when we can stay focused on what's our ultimate goal here versus how am I perceiving this person offending me in this particular moment? Yeah, so just a real quick uh, shot back. Uh, when you're in a situation with people that you know, like, and trust, and there's a bit of, uh, shall we say, energy and enthusiasm about getting ideas, ideas out on the table, that's, that's one thing. So if you change the framework of the conversation into one where there's a uh, conflict, and uh, like at a town hall, and we're talking about, you know, how people's water isn't as clean as it should be, and that there was a water main break, and people haven't had clean water for two weeks, and people are angry and, and anxious. So the leadership in the conversation is very, very important. That also has to do with allowing a certain amount of frustration to be voiced at the beginning and then asking people you know we're all here for the same reason to make a make this work how about we set up some guidelines here and we'll take turns and i'll be the moderator if that works for everyone and i'll point at you and this that and the other thing whatever but the whole idea is is that if when you're in a situation with people you don't know uh this will happen uh probably less frequently at the beginning, but then as emotions start to rise, then it's almost out of control these days. There are you know, a lot of people that have no interest and no skills at communicating with people other than being in the send mode all the time. Mm -hmm. So a couple of the, th the phrases, you know, that, that as you mentioned earlier, you know, I'm, I'm not quite finished here. It's very important for people to establish their value in terms of what they have to say and completing their thought and their idea. It is your gift to the community in that moment when you're speaking. So when someone is trying to take the floor from you, it's your responsibility to reclaim it and say, well, I, I know you've got a thought. Can you hold on to that for one more minute, please? Because I'm almost done. And then say what you have to, any of those kinds of things that you can say authentically. And again, Meredith, as you said, not antagonistically, but we're in this together. You know, we're not interested in who's right here. We're interested in what's right. You know, those, those are great words to live by. So in the meantime, what you're also doing by acknowledging the value of the person who's willing to yield back their, you know, their attention and time for a moment, you are granting them being. You are saying, I know you're over there and I value the opinion that you're going to express. And I really wanna hear what you have to say but I want to hear what you have to say about this thought so I can see if it holds water or not. You know, those kinds of, of, of things that come into a conversation. And the more uh, anxious or rugged or salty the conversation becomes, the more you have to rely on your training and your commitment and your willingness to be 
used in a conversation for a greater good as a servant. Beautifully said. <laughs> I love that. Everything you said, Bill, yeah. because I think it's so true that we can get our emotions wrapped up, especially when it's a topic or issue that's really important to us. It's so easy to get into that digging my heels in to prove I'm right. And if we can have that learner mentality of being recognizing everyone who is speaking up, you know, has a perspective, has feelings around that. And if we can acknowledge that, I think so often we just hesitate to speak the truth um, for fear of somebody reacting badly or not liking us. You know, we get all of that wrapped up into how we handle a specific interaction that's going on in the moment, especially when it heats up. And I think, you know, this whole phrase of, you know, emotional intelligence is uh, bandied about so much it sometimes loses its meaning, but that's where we really do have to dig in to our awareness of our own emotions so that we manage ourselves and we don't contribute to the escalation and instead, you know, revert back to, if we lost it, uh, that curiosity to learn where is this person coming from? Because the more we diffuse their, their agitation or anger or whatever feelings they may be having by listening and not judging and not reacting negatively, the more it allows those feelings to dissipate. Yeah. And I think that's key. Well, see, that's the whole thing. Uh, if you want something to persist, resist it. If you want something to disappear, allow it to be fully present in its un unabashed worst form. You know, just allow it to be. And that granting the being allows the thing to just no longer be where we're stuck in the conversation. We can move on from here. And the other thing that I was really kind of interested in and where this is, 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 is leading the whole concept of when you get people who learn how to respect each other and demonstrate it in conversational uh, technique at first, and it's a little bit awkward for people, I think, you know, when they first start thinking in terms of, I got to listen to me and I got to listen to you and I got to keep my mind on. Well, it's easy if you remember to keep your eye on the prize. The goal is not to make a point the goal is to make a difference. Otherwise, why are you there? Is there any reason that you would be there just to say things to somebody to make them feel bad and wrong and ugly? The truth is no, that no one really wants to do that, except for they got juiced from doing it one time in, in, in college at a liberal arts college somewhere. And the next thing you know, this is just how people talk to each other, right? Well, I find that that's not right. I find that that where we where we come to you know these opportunities to have really in-depth conversations, there's nothing better than two people who want to find out something about the other person that the other person may not even know themselves. That's a great conversation to be in, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I like how Meredith started with the personal um, communication, you know, the ones closest to you, because I think especially I know amongst. Uh, people I know, you, you tend to talk over each other. It's just commonality. And then, so if you practice with them not doing that and being aware 
that you're interrupting them without them even have to say it to be aware of your own your own interrupting ways because mm-hmm. I think uh most of the time people are not only not listening to what the other person's saying they're finishing their sentence in their head before they're even done with it so you know to stop doing that because I I mean you know I've talked about my dad before but I had a tendency to know think I knew what he was about to say and I've stopped myself now to listen to the end of the sentence or paragraph, whatever he feels like divulging at the moment, but, and I'm usually not correct. And that there was a different point I could follow that we could definitely agree upon. So, you know, there's definite good practice in doing it amongst yourself, the people that you feel closest to, then then it can transfer out. I think Mm -hmm. practice makes perfect. (laughs) Well, and you know, it's it, such good points that you've both been making. <clears throat> the flip side of, um, you know, someone wanting to argue with you is someone who comes to you and wants your opinion or wants you to solve a problem for them. So to me, another key aspect of communicating well is learning to ask good questions that cause the person to look within for the answers. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Because as a parent, when we do that, we're we're helping our kids become more independent thinkers, yeah. and resilient, and you know, self reliant. <clears throat> and even at work, if we're in a role where we are a leader of others, whether it's you know a large group or one other person. If we're always feeling like we've got to provide them the answer, we've got to be the know-it-all, we're putting a lot of pressure on ourselves. But not only that, we are depriving that other person the opportunity to grow and learn and think for themselves. So there are lots of different kinds of questions you can ask when someone comes to you. But the fundamental one is, what do you think? You know? Oh, well, how should I solve this problem? We've got this issue with this client or this, you know, customer or situation here. What should we do? What should we do? Well, what have you thought of so far, you know, or what options have you considered? And, um, you know, any version of what do you think is, is great. And just asking it in different ways. If they persist, if they say, well, I don't know, that's why I came to you. Mm, yeah. Well, <laughs> You know, you've, got, I, you've got the five, uh, 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 what I call the most powerful words in uh, the English language, who, what, when, where, and how, okay? So not why, why is a stupid question? It's a fool's errand, okay? It has nothing to do with anything. You ask somebody why they did something, they're going to give you an answer. They're going to make something up. It's not going to have anything to do with solving the situation, but I love what you said. And some of the other things that you can do with 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 that, you know, what do you think? Um, what sounds best to you? That sort of an approach. You can go a little bit further and say, "How is this like something else that you did well?" You know, in what what ways uh, does this have any kind of similarity, you know, to what you were doing two or three weeks ago? Remember that one with, you know, and 
you're doing the same thing, but you're also guiding them to the right part of the church to get to the pew where they actually should be. That's great. I love that. Yeah, there's so many different kinds of questions that that we can ask. Yep. And and then we can offer, you know, our opinion or ideas, but but you know, the other thing I think people are sometimes hesitant to do, especially if they're in a leadership role, is to acknowledge that they don't know. Yeah. You know, we're all afraid of looking bad or looking weak or you know, somebody taking advantage of us. There's all these things that go through our head. But the truth is, people respect us more when we're willing to admit. I don't know the answer to that. That's a great question. Let's think about what are some possibilities. Or if we've made a mistake, the hesitation to apologize because we think people will respect us less when in fact, they already know we screwed up. And so the sooner we can own it, acknowledge it, apologize, you know, see what can I do to make it right if there is something. That goes such a long way to accelerate trust, respect, and effective relationships where you get more things done. Yeah, I, I said just a little bit differently, the leader has a very important role. And, and many times that is to be the one who's not affected by poison so that they can be a poison eater. And you know, it's very, very, uh, it's a cool thing, you know, to be in the presence of somebody who starts a meeting off by going, not only are there no bad ideas here today, just the ones you don't say out loud, no one can get this wrong, because anything that doesn't work is going to be my fault. Anything that does work, y'all get the credit for it, you know, and the best way to, to have that kind of conversation is not to leave it with that sentence and then behave differently but to use two and three word, you know, uh, rejoinders to keep people going and ask for the next thing and, and, and then what's next and, and then what's next. So the whole idea being they're doing the work. They're actually just going into their own minds to come up with a thing they already knew was the solution when they came in to see you. And they either couldn't language it right at that moment, or they were afraid that the idea would not sound uh, plausible or effective or something else where it's, it's kind of risky to say it out loud. Hey, give them an invitation to take a chance, you know? Mm -hmm. So now we've got these techniques that we're discussing. And in what ways are these transferable? You said from, from people that you know, you know, family members and that sort of thing, people that are around you all the time first, how are they transferable to groups, do you think? Any kind of group? Let's say we've got a uh, group of people that are getting together to start a, a neighborhood revitalization zone. And there's 60 people that have shown up for it. And so how do you create a, a, an environment of freedom, you know, to exchange ideas there is an openness and at the same time, not have, you know, be solid complaints for a half hour or 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. How's that for well, setting up a, a conversation? Yeah, well, I think a key element is acknowledging things up front, you know, that we've got a large group here, it could quickly become unmanageable, and we could end up everybody going away frustrated because we didn't get anything done. Yeah. So let's set some ground rules up front for how we're going to operate together that we can all agree to and abide by. 
and I'll take on the role of facilitator so that if somebody ends up deviating from those, you know, most likely unintentionally, sure. then I will take on the role of, of pulling them back in. And then just, you know, come up with a few basic things, not a bunch of rules, but, you know, what are some ways that we want to be with each other in terms of responding respectfully, giving somebody the opportunity to finish, giving everyone an opportunity to participate. Because one of the things that drives people crazy in a group is one person dominating. Yes. And, and usually that person has no awareness that they are doing that or they don't care. You know, they just want to keep saying their stuff. And so I think the person who is leading the group has to be willing to be strong, has to be willing to say some people aren't going to like the style and that's okay because I love what you said earlier Bill about we want the same thing so agreeing up front what is the outcome we're looking for and so the process that's going to help us get there is if we do these things and so reminding people about the reason for having a process is because of the result we want to get to I think is huge to getting buy-in up front and then follow through as you're going through that time together. Yeah. Lisa, I know you've got some thoughts. I don't know what made me think of it. Well, I know, do know what made me think of it, but I, I just couldn't help that Zoom has done us some favors on different styles of communication, such as breaking people out into smaller groups where each one can speak their piece and then either one person carries that message to the bigger room, you know, that kind of thing. I, it just threw, you know, flew through my head when you were saying that Meredith about how people can never, some people don't speak up and some people do, but how Zoom has kind of helped alleviate that, that mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. But just, a, I don't know how practical it would be, but it, something to that effect. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a, a collaborative uh, uh, way to do things and the collaborative way can be an enhancement of the old authority figure way. And the authority figure way was the person who's in charge always has to have the right answer before the question get asked. And as you said earlier, uh, where we're going going forward, if, especially if you live in, in a world where continuous improvement is really part of your makeup, you're always looking, you know, where's the next, you know, uh, the, where's the next, uh, you know, flag on the hill for me to go after in terms of, of my own self-improvement or my own uh, ability to, you know, to handle my world and my life in such a way that I am, you know, uh, collaborating and integrating with other people. So the really neat part of the collaboration mode is, is that uh, simply just honoring every idea as it's spoken. If you've got an, a way to capture, well, let's get that down, a little sticky note here and and, or we'll have somebody write that on the whiteboard and, and we're, you know, we want to be brief in how we're saying it. And it, again, it doesn't matter whose idea it is. All ideas are good, especially if we take the time to flesh them out. It's amazing what four or five words can do when it turns into a novel, you know, the, 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 the inception, the fountainhead of, of the fountainhead of the fountainhead was a conversation with somebody that took less than five minutes. You know, I don't know if, if, if you know that, but mm -mm. almost everything that has ever been done and changed was, was done as a result of someone in a conversation making a difference with that person and them saying, 
ah, I got it now. This is my voice. This is what I need to say. I'm going to get this down on paper. And who knows if it was the first or the second or the 20th time. Mm-hmm. You know who Jordan Peterson is? Yeah. I recommend you know, looking him up. And I'll tell you what, um, I'm not asking you to, to, uh, you know, to, to agree or disagree or anything of that nature, because he's almost like uh, sticking jello to the wall. He can argue for and against almost any, any topic or anything. But what he said really amazed me. He's now written, I don't know, a dozen books, 15, however many it is. He says each one of those words is rewritten at least a dozen to 20 times. It might even be more than that. Every single word is recalculated. How's this going to be listened to? Uh, I don't even know if I believe him when he says that, but I have to trust that there's integrity there and that his process is to be absolutely bulletproof and not accidentally have something go out there where someone has a different interpretation that he could explain his way out of. I can see why you would feel that way having read that sentence, but let me tell you what my intent was. And I'm very, very precise with my intent. I love the man and the way that he is, 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 is you know, precision oriented. But, and the redoing and the redoing and the redoing and the redoing until I can make this no better, you know? That's, that's really holding yourself to a very high standard. It certainly is. And I'm sure, Lisa, with your work in publications, uh, I'm I'm curious what your thoughts are on on that kind of um, intensity of getting it right. Words are uh, between nonviolent communication, which is, I was thinking sometimes some some of the things I've just said recently, like I I absentmindedly said, Oh, she's nothing. And in context, it it wasn't bad, but in hindsight, it was a horrible statement to make. And it's a violent term against somebody. So words in themselves carry so much power. And Jordan Peterson is great at that, at, at acknowledging and knowing the definition and how to untangle it or use it to his benefit. Uh, he's brilliant at it. But I, in communications in words, I weigh every, in writing even, I, I weigh every word so heavily. I'll take the sentence. And, and then you, the same thing with certain uh, personalities, you know what you can get away with, or you, you censor yourself to the point where it's almost ridiculous, you know, so that to make yourself understood to a certain person that just you're not on the same, wa- same wavelength. I find that kind of interesting. But as far as putting words out there that the general public is going to read, you, know, you, you take great care in, in making sure they're not abusive or can be misconstrued you know and it's the same way with meeting new people but that then come back to the curiosity factor too even with clients and business owners and and other and writers and painters and artists they're all the same kind of you just have to treat them with the same respect and it comes across that way and that's what you know building community is what we want to do and it comes through our pages and through our communication the way we communicate and our intention behind all of our words basically is the same. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to create a world like that. Um, that I believe, I full-heartedly believe is, you know, coming our way. I always believe in the, the goodness of the world that's about to burst open any minute now. 
What a very perfect place for our ending of this segment. <laughs> you, we couldn't have said it better ourselves, Lisa. So just to kind of wrap up, uh, and thank you for that. It was uh, was definitely uh, a lightning in a bottle. I appreciate it. Uh, Meredith, how was it for you today? And are you lighting the candle? Absolutely. I, I'm shining brighter, you know, as I think about our conversation and the the insights, Bill, that you and Lisa both shared, you know, I've learned a lot myself just from our conversation. And for me, it all goes to what you were referring to earlier, this, you know, how can I take my um, behavior, my performance to the next level? How can I be a better version of myself with the next person I interact with based on what I've learned from this most recent conversation? So it was a great experience. I love what you all are doing to brighten the world through this show and just through the way you live your lives. It just comes across beautifully. So thank you. Oh. Nice to meet you, Meredith. Thank you. Lisa, any final thoughts? No, I think I'm, I'm good. <laughs> thank you for coming on, Lisa. I know you had to do some things and it makes all the, yeah. all the difference in the world. Thank you. So I just want to say, ladies and gentlemen, once again, you can find us, and you did already because you're hearing me say this, on any podcast platform that matters. And we're going to say good night and bye and adios until the next time. And again, to my special guest, Meredith Bell, thank you so much for coming on with us today and for sharing your expertise. And it just comes pouring out of you, you know, it, the essence of who you are is, is just so easy to just soak right up. Adios. Bye-bye now. You've been listening to Lighting the Candle, a world that works. Part of the Exvadio Podcast Network. You can hear us at exvadio.com slash podcasts, Apple Podcasts app, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever you find podcasts. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.